Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs, and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Welcome to the next edition of the Media Insider. So this month I'm here with Benjamin Chu. He's editor of Special Reports at Raconteur. And before that, he was a financial journalist. Thanks for joining me, Ben. Thank you. Is it Ben or Benjamin? Ben's fine. Ben's fine, good. So give me an overview then of Raconteur. It's a little bit of a mystery, I think, to to a lot of people because it's a bit of a hybrid between, you know, sponsored journalism and conventional journalism. So just walk us through the, the content that you produce. Okay, uh, so we produce around 80 uh, special interest reports um, for the Times and Sunday Times, um, but we are completely independent of, of uh, News UK. So um, we have certain topics that we're not allowed to cover, but most Mostly, we we can um, kind of pick and choose where we. What are the topics you can't cover? Yeah. Uh, politics, uh, okay. I believe, and property. I think I don't actually know that list because I'm not. I, I don't come up with the the themes of the reports. I just come up with the. Sorry, I don't come up with the titles, but come up with the editorial themes inside. So tell us kind of how they're put together. What maybe are there any set sections or set slots? For example, certain pages for interviews certain pages for op-eds is there any formula there is a very loose formula of um we will have the 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 thing that's set in stone is that it will be 70 percent editorial which is completely commissioned by us we have complete um, independence over what we talk about who we interview um and what themes we cover and then 30% 30% will be advertising, so ad- advertorials and right, thought leaderships okay. by brands. Each each of the um, report titles are decided. Some of them will be um, annual titles we do, like the Future of Retail, for example, which yep. I've brought in. Oh, okay. Um, others will be just identifying gaps in the market for us to, um, where there's interesting things to say and also where there are uh, potential advertising opportunities as well. Okay, interesting. So all the thought leadership content, is that, is that always sponsored or do you sometimes have uh, editorial op-eds? We um, will have some editorial op-eds. Um, I think that we normally there's about there's one in each report. Often they're with association partners who or event partners are distributing these um, the reports at, at certain events other times we we may ask um renowned academics or policy makers to write an op-ed themselves um, right okay if if we deem it necessary or suitable but m- most of the thought leadership is therefore paid for commercial stuff okay interesting and because well, i do want to ask you more about how you 
you know, whether you approach people to write things or whether they approach you. So I am going to come to that. But I just want to get a few more facts about the publication. Well, is it the same circulation as The Times? Yes. it's. Um, I think we should have researched this before I came because I don't... Obviously, I'm not part of the commercial team, so I don't have to... Uh, say all these facts and figures oh uh, okay well, that's uh, right. but we are distributed in the times uh, nationwide i think the sunday t- when we're in the sunday times it's just the south run which uh excludes like scotland and things like that. okay um, and is the content all online as well yes it is yeah editorial and advertorials will be online as well walk me through a little bit how it's commissioned because uh, obviously you're not a news based publication so you're not following the you know the news agenda so do you have like a weekly planning meeting or daily planning meeting so because there's 80 of these a year um, and we each each have there's a publishing manager who's in charge of each project i'm strictly just the editorial side and there's me and my deputy editor uh, fran as well so it's just us two in-house from the editorial side. And then we use a, a pool of freelancers um, to create the content. Sometimes I'll write myself um, where I can find the time. Oh, interesting. So all your writers are freelancers? Yes. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Just So there's only two people, me and me and Fran, who are in-house. Um, and then we have a, a, a our associate editor who's, a, who's a, the sub-editor um, as well, who works on a... Con- contract oh that's interesting so then who decides the topics you know what the special reports are going to be so that's uh decided by the commercial team um where they can identify gaps in the market um i work with them closely to um to come up with editorial themes for reports we come up with certain avenues of each market and industry and then it's my job to really question, are we doing the right thing? Are we covering stuff we've covered before? Are we um, broadening perspectives? Are we like challenging the status quo? That's kind of our thing to do. Um, yeah. So you're setting the agenda and then all your freelance writers are providing the content. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we obviously brief them on what we want to talk about, but we also welcome pitches from writers as well. Yeah. Um, so I get several pictures of dozens of pictures every day I bet uh, for each report now that's the bit I want to talk about so the pictures how many do you get roughly from PRs versus freelance writers so I get countless pictures from PRs every single day um freelance writers I'll get probably five to ten a day and because we're commissioning 80 year each report has eight to ten articles in it so it's quite a lot of words to commission um, yeah especially from with such a small editorial team in-house so yeah it's a lot of sifting through emails and being inundated with uh, PR requests and pictures. how do you manage that then do you read them all do you look at the title and hit delete straight away um, it will depend on how busy my day is um, I will read all of Especially all of the journalist pictures, I'll, I'll read and make notes of that. I'll, I'll often feed back on pictures to say, this isn't the sort of stuff we're looking for. We need it to be more challenging and there needs to be a story. We're, in terms of PRs, it's becoming harder and harder to sift through everything because I just, I'm getting so, mu- so much. That is stuff. interesting. Why do you think there's such an increase in PR pictures? Um, 
I think the market is just, the landscape is so much noisier and more saturated than it was before. And um, trying to get through and get your clients heard in any publication must be an absolute nightmare these days. I don't, I don't I completely appreciate the work that, you know, they're doing by sending all these emails and, and things. Um, often the ones that don't hit the mark are, are the ones that they clearly just don't get what we do at Raconteur. So they don't understand that we're looking for stories about business. We're not just looking for quotes from CEOs to use as filler in articles. Um, we're looking for fresh, groundbreaking new insights from thought from thought leaders in each industry. And we're not just looking for an example of a cloud computing company for a cloud computing report. If they're not doing anything new, why should we talk about them? And yeah. I think there's a misunderstanding of what we do, so people don't know how to pitch to us. So they're just they just send an email saying, Hi, I'm from this PR agency, I've got a great client and here's some words that they've said. Yeah. And I'll get two sentences through an email and just delete or just move on because I can't. There's yeah. it's a waste of my time. And it's not gonna go into the reports because we don't we just don't have space for that. It has to be interesting and and fresh and groundbreaking. If it isn't then it's sadly not gonna yeah. go anywhere. So how can you use PR content or or just people who are not PRs but are coming direct from a company because they want to get into the media. What sort of content or stories can they send you that you could use? I think anything that's going to resonate with the audience, which is so our primary audience um, through our distribution in the Times are senior business decision makers or policy makers. So they're already an, an informed bunch of people. They're already they know their stuff so they don't need to know if you're unfortunately if if the client's product isn't good enough then the stories they have to tell about the product won't be good enough so it's it's it must be really tough but it's about finding something that makes you stand out you know your usp um otherwise if it's not going to go through me and get filtered on to journalists then yeah it's not going to be in the final product. Yeah. Um, How much would you value, say, a company that's commissioned some research or something? It, is, would that make a top line for a story for Raconteur? We tend not to base whole articles or content on research um, as the focal point, unless it's a completely groundbreaking insight that's come out. Um, but we tend to look at aspects of certain industries and, and try and twist them slightly to uh, challenge and inspire the readers. Um, so we'll definitely, we use a lot of data and, and research in, in our articles and a lot of our articles are, are draw on multiple research um, papers, but I wouldn't say that they would be the focal point of an article because we're not a white paper. We're not trade press, so we wouldn't we have to appeal to the general reader too. Yeah. And so digging down into the numbers too much can turn a lot of readers yeah, off. Yeah, so is it trends-led, would you Definitely say? Definitely trends-led, yeah. Um, it's quite, it's a tough balancing act we have because some of the reports we do are so industry-specific, but then it's my job um, and the jobs of the publishers at Raconteur to, to make sure we're talking about the right things in each industry, but they're, uh, you know, they're going to interest the general reader also. 
Yeah. As well as the senior business people. Yeah. And what about interview opportunities? Do you do We interviews? do. Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, it's it's something we um, we want to do a lot more of. Uh, big feature, like high-profile interviews. We'd love to do those in every report we do. Um, having two people in-house is, is quite tough because sometimes it takes months to just... Um, to get hold of the PR, the the PA for that person. So setting up the interviews is quite a tough thing, and especially because we do eighty a year. Mm. Trying that, so there each rep- report is done on um, an eight week schedule. So there's um, from the start of the eight weeks is when the publisher will kind of start looking at the landscape, trying to reach out and get okay. advertising, and then at the end of the eight weeks, that's the print day. Right. So it's okay. a very short um, schedule to try and get some big interviews in. Yeah, um, yeah. That's something we don't get. A lot of our interviews come from us reaching out rather than actually. I I might get PRs pitching interviews with very small companies or CTOs of, yeah. of smaller companies and... Unfortunately, it's not. That's not the sort of thing yeah. we're looking for. I mean, we're a nation. We're a national yeah. uh, publication, and it's not. That's not going to resonate enough with the readers. What sort of people would you reach out to request an interview for? Um, so, anyone that's doing anything different in the industry, um, or or someone that's well renowned, like almost like a household name. So, the future of retail report I bought in. Um, we we interviewed Mary Portis. Oh yeah. For that, um, so that's an example of the sort of people that we'd be looking for. In terms of you reaching out for stories and people coming to you, is that are you often newsletter? So say if there is a big uh, a big business story. Yeah. Mentioning a household name company, is that the kind of thing you would follow, or are you too uh, are you got are you too long a lead to? Do um, that? We would class ourselves as long form journalism, but definitely we would keep tabs on current events to to make sure that our it's topical. If it's not topical, it won't we won't talk about it really. Um, so there's that's another balancing act that we have to kind of tread is is where we fit between current affairs, um, long-form analysis and news. We're definitely not news, um, but it helps draw readers in if there's a topical yeah. uh, current event. Yeah. And who would you say your audience is? Because I suppose if it's Times readers, is it just broad Times readers or is it people in a senior business role in the it, Times? The primary audience is definitely the senior business decision maker. Um, but, of course, we, wanna, we want our content to be... Um, engaging to the general reader as well and we have a a big growing online audience also who is everyone and anyone so um that's my biggest challenge is making certain industry specific topics applicable to the to every reader yeah yeah yeah, because i suppose with the on because it's free online yeah yeah, you're reaching a much uh bigger audience okay i just want to return to the the pitching sure which is my favorite bit so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you got any pitching niggles? Um, the biggest uh, pet peeve of mine when it comes to p- pitching from PRs is um, sending me a thousand word email. 
just off the bat without introducing themselves. I've never heard of this PR before. I've never heard of their agency or yeah. let alone them from the agency. Um, and they're pitching me quotes to fit into articles and they think that that's going to do it and that's going to make the cut and it just simply won't. It it has to add value to the reports that we produce. Um, yeah. And if it... and I would be surprised if a lot of the people that email me actually think that they're adding value with this, these comments. Um, yeah. And it's it's a shame because the their clients put like I, I'm obviously this is a I'm generalizing a lot um, and That's some okay. PRs do it very well, <laughs> but there's a lot that simply think that co- copy and pasting some quotes from a C-suite in their at their client's firm is gonna create results and it just it just won't yeah what about people that pitch to you that say not from a PR agency but just want to get their business into the media so you mean those clients yeah directly yeah um I think they do the same thing so they say I my CEO would be great um addition to this report and they'll give us give me a lot of background oh we he or she has got an MBA and she's um, really knowledgeable at this. She's got a doctorate in that. But it still doesn't tell me why I should be reaching out to this, someone to interview. Um, mm. it, all it does is just, it's like sending me their LinkedIn profile and thinking that's going to make yeah, me. Yeah, um, cause yeah. Because unfortunately, there's thousands of other people that are equally as qualified to, to make a certain, have a certain viewpoint on the industry. Yeah. Um, and I think... It's there's just too much noise out there, so it's just cutting through is is difficult. And I I'm not here. I know I'm complaining a lot, but I'm not here to say that I know any better. So I I, I wouldn't know how in this day and age that people certain certain industries get hurt because they're just it's how many cloud computing. Yeah, but well, you'd know computing. what a story is. You'd you'd yeah, know exactly. what what you know a to- how to get a top line of a story. Um, what about freelance writer pitches? Is there anything that you've noticed that they do which isn't quite right or you wish they did better? I think, what so what I do is I send all of our freelancers um, a schedule of our upcoming reports and so they, and I'll, I'll send them rough uh, deadlines of when we're um, scheduled to be commissioning and when we would expect copy back so they know if they can actually contribute or not. And a lot of people will see our list of 20 reports and pitch something for every single one and send me one-liners saying, what about a piece on this? What about an article on this? And they have valid points in there and they're interesting, but they don't. that doesn't tell me why I should commission them for that. So I think that's... If I was to give any advice about pitching from as a freelancer, I'd say you just have to say why what what the angle is but also why you're the best person to write this have you got any additional insight do you have contacts in the industry have you got interviews set up which often isn't the case because you can't promise an interview without yeah. the commission yeah. but um without those certain bits of information it's it's hard to know why I should commission you for that rather yeah. than someone else who might be more of an industry specialist um, yeah, we do have a lot of industry specialists on our rotor of uh, journalists, but 
a lot of the times we just want good writers who know the right people to talk to. As long as you can tell a story and craft a, a good article, um, we don't necessarily always look for industry insiders. And increasingly so, I'm trying to broaden our um, pool and, and diversity of our writers. So yeah. it's sometimes I'm actively not looking for um, experts in a certain industry because yeah. I want a different perspective. I want them to reach out to people you maybe wouldn't expect to talk about um, a certain topic. What I'm trying to do a lot this year is is um, diversify our pool of writers by commissioning a lot more, a lot of... Um, from a broader spectrum of um, of backgrounds and experience. Um, okay. So we're not... We always... When I joined, so I've been there for... Coming up to five years now, we had a very narrow pool of journalists that we'd always rely on, and sometimes the same writer would just write in every single report. And what I'm really trying to do this year is commission people, not necessarily who have vast industry experience, but or or in fact, a lot of publishing experience, but just people that can write well and, and tell a really interesting story. So will that include non-journalists? I always want some evidence of published work, um, but I'm the publications where I'm looking for people, have, have, that's broadened massively. Um, so I'm looking at a lot of younger writers these days, trying to diversify in terms of gender I think we've got quite a good split um 50 50 of of who we commission um but it's definitely in terms of ethnic diversity um especially being a minority ethnic mm. editor it, yeah. I, it's kind of one of my big passions is to okay. broaden and diversify our um pool of writers but oh, that's good to yeah. hear because then well. it comes with it's not only the people that you commission that you're diversifying but then perhaps that creates more diversity in who we reach out to who's, yeah um, yeah who's more receptive for um and the interviews. type of stories that they might find yeah, as well exactly um and i think until we can proudly say that we have a diverse um pool of writers which i would admittedly say we don't at the moment um i don't think we can be completely happy with saying that we are that diverse and inclusive publisher so um it's it's something that i'm really pushing for this year is, yeah um is to welcome any writers from any any backgrounds um there's a lot of freelance freelance journalists that listen to this so yeah. oh, that's great. good to know um and on that note do you because you you know, you only have a in-house team of two editors and mm. then you outsource the writing to freelancers. Does that mean really the types of things that people pitch to you from a PR perspective? I suppose if, they, if they're pitching an idea for a story, would you then give that story to a journalist? If it's a great story, I will say, here's a topic. This is a brief it would be good to reach out to this person from because they've got some interesting insights often we wouldn't i think the big the biggest problem is is for a report on say fintech we do a lot of finance titles so a report on fintech i would get 20 pitches from fintechs wanting us to do a feature interview about their their company and um though that might be they might be interesting and things it, to do a big feature 
alongside some of their competitors who are paying for their own advertorials in the report wouldn't yeah. gel well with anyone I don't think yeah um, so we try and keep a, um, a strict editorial independence so yeah we will say to the journalist it'd be great if you could reach out to this person this person because they're the right people to talk to not just because I've got a pitch but it's up to the journalist who they who they reach out to in, yeah. at the end of the day yeah. and that's where we can kind of hold our hands up and say we've been as independent as possible yeah um, yeah so I suppose really the PRs and companies are better pitching to the journalists rather than to yeah, you. Yeah, but they also, I often on a daily basis, I'll get emails from uh, from PRs who ask me for all the journalist names. Oh, that wow, that's cheeky. Yeah, um, that happens a lot. And so I've just got a, I've got a, um, a document with, that I can just copy and paste and say, we don't do that, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, because we can't we simply can't have any independence if we do that yeah um, and it's data protection as well yeah right? and we we um we're selling our advertise like our advertising spaces to people in the industry so why would we give out journalist names mm. and then charge someone else to write their own article if if we can if you know it dilutes our commercial offering as yeah. well so yeah also it's just it's it's not the way to do it. No, it's asking no. Your, for your time to do something. And it's funny because the, the the email I get back from those PRs are like, oh, I completely understand. I was just, you know, trying <laughs> my luck. And I was like, when does this ever work? Really? Um, um, this, you mentioned the schedule of the special reports. Are we able to see that or is that for writers only? Um, there's no reason why uh, PRs or anyone else... Um, can't see the schedule it's the, the the one problem is it's very subject to change because depending on the commercial landscape the publishers um themselves holidays everything is you know changeable so um it is freely available on our website um, oh is it your schedule yeah, okay but it's mapped out for the entire year and by the end of the year it's it, it can be quite different um Okay, we'll check that out at raconteur.net. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. right. So now any PR listening to this doesn't have an excuse. They can go to those. They can like look at your, your plan. So 80 a year means that's about one and a half a week. Yeah. So there's uh, particularly there's, there's certain stressful times of the year, um, uh, mainly around, I think we had 15 or 16 in December alone. There were two weeks straight where we had a, a one going to print every single day. So right, so it's not that it's a set day of the week. No. Yeah, because I could, I was trying to figure that out. You know, I buy the Times, and sometimes I look for Raconteur, especially when I knew I was going to interview you, but yeah. I couldn't s spot a pattern. Yeah. So at the start of the year, so January and February are quite quiet in terms of our uh, publishing schedule. And then things ramp up in March. I think we've got about thirteen in March or something. Right. Like that. That's yeah. interesting. So one final question on logistics. What's the best time of day to pitch you, given that you don't have like an editorial meeting? Yeah. So presumably this is like personal preferences or a better time? Um, the morning. I'm much more a morning person than uh, an evening person. So the morning I'll probably be, when I've had my coffee, I'll probably be more receptive. Everyone to, says that. Yeah. What's morning? What, what time do you get in, in in the morning? I get in at nine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Although you're normal. <laughs> to my colleagues listening, they'll probably say a little bit later than that. But yeah, I would I go through all my emails straight away as soon as I'm in, so that's probably the best time. 
Ben Chu, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me in. Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.